Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 uh, through 10. Let's, let's get going here. It says this. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So in verse 7, it kicks off really, in him we have redemption through his blood. Now we see this word redemption, and, and the Greek word here for redemption is used to refer uh, to paying a ransom in order to release a person from bondage, uh, especially uh, in, in regards to slavery. And, and during the New Testament times, uh, during the Roman uh, Empire, there were as many as 20 million slaves and so, there, so buying and selling slaves was a major, uh, a major business in those days. If a person wanted to free a slave, uh, they would buy that slave for themselves and then grant them freedom, testifying to that deliverance by a written certificate. And, and this is precisely the idea uh, that we see carried out throughout the New Testament in its usage of redemption. That it represented Christ's atoning sacrifice on the cross. So, so he paid the redemption. He paid that price. He paid what we call the, the, the ransom uh, that was in order to, to purchase us uh, to redeem fallen mankind and to set us free from that sin. Now, every human being born since the fall has come into this world enslaved to sin, under bondage to its nature, a nature that is corrupt, a, a nature that is separated from uh, its creator. Okay, so, so regardless uh, of what you believe or, 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 or don't believe, uh, we were all born into this. Like we were not born into goodness. We were not born and like gravitating towards what's right. And for a lot of us, we see this in toddlers, correct? Like, terrible twos, like, we didn't just, like, oh, let's do that, let's name that. Uh, it, it, it didn't just happen, we observed that. And for some of us, it just kept going. <laughs> but, we, but even in, uh, I, I, I'm always reminded when, when I look at this, like, born into this, how, how even as, as a toddler, as a, as a baby, really, uh, they, like, even our, our one-year-old right now, our youngest, uh, he is at the stage where he thinks it's funny to disobey. Where does that come from, right? Like, like it, so, so it's in us. We see this, and it, and it comes out. It manifests itself, uh, and, and, and so we, we see that Romans 6.23 tells us, right, that, that not only do we all have this, uh, and, but there's consequences for that. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. First gathering, because they're more spiritual, they go, death. You know, second gathering, we're a little gracious. We're like, death, okay? Uh, the wages of sin is death, it says, right? So, so that's the penalty uh, it tells us. But the free gift of God, what, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus said in John 8, 34, he said, he, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. 
So we see this term, we see this used in relation to the practice of, of, of our sinful nature and carrying that out. And many of us would actually uh, speak to that term uh, when we think about our past, what we've been through. Even right now, maybe what we're currently going through, we would say, uh, maybe we don't verbalize it, but we think it, I am actually enslaved to this. I'm actually, I don't feel like I can get out of this. I don't feel like I can stop doing this. And we feel that and we relate to that term. And Romans 3.10, it literally says, there is none righteous, no, not one. So if I literally said, hey, raise your hand if you're perfect in this room, nobody would raise their hand. Nobody. Because once again, we know that this is in us. We know, regardless of even what we believe, that there are things that we have said or done or thought that were not right. And, and, but then in Galatians 5.1 it says this, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Colossians 1.13 and 14, it says, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Paul is saying in Ephesians 1, 7 here, we have redemption. We have it. It's not that we hope to have redemption. We already have it through Jesus Christ. God has already done the work in rescuing us. And if you're a Jesus follower in this room, you should be living currently, right now, in light of that reality. That's how we should be living. This redemption came at a cost, we see. Uh, it says what? It, it, it was through his blood, right? So it, so, it, so it had this great cost attached to it. In Revelation 1.5, it says, And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. So it cost, it, it, it was great, and, and, and he literally purchased us. 1 Corinthians 6.20 uh, says we were purchased with a price, so you were, you were purchased, and you were not cheap, right? There's certain things in your house that if someone breaks, they bump into, they, they, they destroy, you don't really care because you got it at like some cheap dollar store, and you're like, oh, I don't really care about that anyway. But there's other things in your, in your house, in your life that you go, that has incredible value to me. Don't touch it. Don't look at it. Don't play with it. It has value to you. You need to understand that according to Scripture, like, like one is the freedom that if you follow Jesus right now, the freedom that you get to live in light of, that was not something just flippant. It wasn't cheap. It cost the very God, the Father, his Son. The very life of Jesus Christ was given on behalf of you to purchase you. I want you to just think about that for a second. Like, like our freedom cost Jesus his life. He took our place. He bore our sins in his body on the cross. It cost the death of Jesus to buy mankind back from the slave market of sin. For what we deserved and we could not save ourselves from, Jesus purchased that. In Mark 10, 45, very clearly, it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He literally came with the purpose of paying off our ransom. His death 
frees believers from sin's guilt, condemnation, bondage, power, the penalty, and someday even from the presence of sin. You know, and last week we, we talked about how literally he adopts us into his family and how incredible that is. And, and, and then we see how much it costs, the incredible value that he says you have to where he would give his one and only son to purchase the price that you could never purchase on behalf of yourself. And like, like I, you, when you read this and, and, and you go, man, why is Paul so excited? Why is he praising God? Like, are you kidding me? Do you see what kind of value you have? To God. Do you see the value? What he says? What he gave up for you? Paul says that this redemption is linked with the forgiveness of sins. Okay, at the Last Supper, Jesus uh, is explaining the cup to his disciples, and he says this in Matthew 26, 28. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So forgiveness is it's not the same as redemption. It's fruit that comes out of redemption. Okay? Like, like it's a byproduct of redemption. And we find this forgiveness only in Jesus. In, in, in Mark chapter 2, uh, there is, uh, we're told of this story where Jesus is in this house. And the house is, is completely packed out. And, and some, uh, some friends of a paralytic, uh, they, they pick him up and they want to bring him before Jesus. They know Jesus can heal this man. And so, and, and, and so as, as creative individuals as they are, they, they realize we can't get him in here. This is packed out. So they go up to the roof and they remove the roof. These are some good friends. You find friends like this. They remove the roof and they drop their friend down at the feet of Jesus. And it's very interesting because uh, in Mark uh, chapter 2 verse 5, Jesus responds to this, he looks at the man and, and he says, son, your sins are forgiven. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. He marveled at the faith. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees who are in the room, uh, they were saying, who can forgive sins? But God only can. Only God can forgive sins. And in that passage, Jesus showed everyone that forgiveness was more important than even physical healing. And that he has the authority as God to forgive sins. He has forgiven our sins. In response to this forgiveness, it's funny because in that scene, uh, he literally tells them, because he knows what they're thinking, because he's God, he knows what they're grumbling about, and he says, well, what's easier? For me to say, get up and walk, or to forgive the sins? And he goes, just so you know what kind of power I have, get up and walk. The guy gets up and walks. Like, oh, okay, that's God, okay? Okay. Uh, but in Luke chapter 7, we see a response to this forgiveness, this, this forgiveness that we see. There's a, there's a woman who approaches Jesus. He's at a house having dinner. And this woman in Luke chapter 7, it, it says this about her, that she was a sinner. Now, that's not exactly how you would want to be described in the Bible for all eternity. But that's what it says about her. And she goes, and, 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 and as she is there, she approaches Jesus, and, and she literally pours out this expensive oil, anointing Jesus in adoration to him. And the Pharisees who are there, who are too self-righteous to approach Jesus uh, and ask for forgiveness, they, they grumble at this. And Jesus said in response that she, that, that she loved much because she realized how much she had been forgiven. 
She loved much because she realized how much she had been forgiven. And, and then he goes on to say how those who do not realize how much they have been forgiven or those who have been forgiven little, they love little. And so he literally, like, like when we think about our own lives, like we too should love much because we have been forgiven much. That's how we should love him. That's how we should uh, uh, approach him. And I get asked uh, a lot because I'm a passionate guy. Where do you get? The, where does this passion come from? And 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 I literally go, man, this this is this is where this passion comes from in my life. I literally think about what what what, what God has done, and what He has forgiven forgiven me from, and it absolutely I I just don't even know how to respond other than I am just in awe of how good He is. Like, like when, when you think about how good he is to you, when you think about the forgiveness uh, he offers, you know, the psalmist said in Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4, Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O oh Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness. That's what I think about. I, that is at the forefront of my mind all the time. When, when the garage door goes up and I'm going to pull into my house, uh, I have this moment and I sit there and, and, and I, I never go, man, like, look what I've done or, man, that wife is so lucky that I'm the one coming home or, man, those, ki <laughs> those kids, are, they're blessed. Like, like I, I literally just have this moment where, where I, I can't believe I get to be her husband. Like, I can't believe I get to be their father. And it's literally not, it's just out of what we're talking about. I just can't believe he has, he has extended this forgiveness to, be, to redeem what I never deserved, what I never even knew I really needed. And, and, and I think about this every time I speak uh, and, and, and somewhere and, and, and literally trying to present about God every single time before I speak. And on Sundays, it's literally three times a Sunday. I, I, I literally have this moment. I go, I can't believe I get to do this. I can't believe this. Like, God, in spite of everything that has been in my life, I am amazed that you have forgiven me, redeemed me through the power of Jesus Christ, and, and I, get to, I get to do this? Like, it's never like, man, they are so lucky that I am going to come out there and speak. Like, <laughs> that's just never happened. Like, you come in spite of me. That's how I look at it. And it's, it's, it's a testimony to the forgiveness as a Jesus follower, if you're a Jesus follower in this room, praise should be overflowing out of your life right now. Overflowing. You know, the gospel does not uh, teach that people have no sin or guilt, but rather that Christ will take away both the sin and the guilt of those who trust in him. Uh, just as Paul told the Jews in Pisidian Antioch in Acts chapter 13, uh, verses 38 and 39, he said, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Through this man, you know, uh, Israel's greatest holy day is the Day of Atonement. And on that day, the high priest selected two unblemished sacrificial goats. And, and one of the goats was, was killed, and his blood was sprinkled uh, on the altar as a sacrifice. But the other goat uh, that was selected, the, the high priest would actually place uh, his hands on that goat's head. And what that was a picture of is literally the high priest uh, transferring the sins of the people. It was a picture of him putting the sins of the people on that goat. And then they would take that goat 
far out into the desert, so far that that goat could never come back as a picture of their sin being removed forever. And what's interesting is Hebrews chapter 10 talks about how, how in, in verse 4 actually, how, how that could never like solve the, the real penalty of our sin, of our condition, like sacrificing goats and that. That never could like solve that problem. What solved it, as Hebrews 10.10 10 tells us, is the person and work of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of his body. He is the fulfillment of that. He took all of that. And, and we think about like, like, like that, that he, he removed that so far, this, this infinite distance away is what he took upon himself with your sins and my sins. That's what he did. That is the extent or the measure of your, of your forgiveness or the trespasses, right? He says it's according to the riches of his grace is what it says there. According to the riches of his grace. It is, it is so sad that there are so many people that claim to be Christians and Jesus followers that are walking around depressed about their faults and their wrongdoings from the past, acting as if God still holds their sins against them. Or we will look at somebody else and treat them like God is still holding on to their sins of their past. Like, do you realize as a Jesus follower, you are separated from that. Like, like you are so far separated from that sin. It says literally in Psalm 103.12, as far as the east is from the west, has he taken that and separated that. He, and, and remember, after we receive salvation, Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and, and death. So those who, have, like, like those who have him have freedom from sin now and throughout eternity. Freedom, that should be the thing that defines us. In Christ, our sins, our past, our present, our future, they are forgiven in his name's sake. Like, like, that does not mean, now this is very important, that does not mean we will no longer sin, right? Like, after you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you don't wake up and go, man, I'm so perfect now. I have no desires. I never struggle with my anger, with my thought life. I'm the perfect dad, the perfect husband, or, or, or spouse. Like, like every, everything is great now. No, you're going to continue to struggle, and guess what? You are going to continue to sin. Like, you just will. And, and guess what? Like, you're still going to have consequences for those decisions. Like, you will. Um, they, that can have a profound effect on your growth, on your joy, your peace, your usefulness, and your ability to have intimate relationship with the Father. That's why believers are called to ask for forgiveness daily so that they may enjoy not just the general forgiveness of redemption, but the specific forgiveness of daily cleansing, which cultivates that fellowship and that usefulness with God. You know, it's interesting when we think about this, like, there are no second-class Christians. And that's really, really important. I feel like that message is so critical because uh, a lot of times we fall into one of two camps. We either look at ourselves because of what we've done, what we said, what, whatever baggage we carry, and we literally, we may not say it, but we think this about ourselves. We think, I'm a second-class Christian. Or for some of us, we look at somebody else 
And because of what they've done, what we know about them, what we've seen them say or do, or we've heard their reputation, we actually, and we may not tell them this to their face, but we actually think and maybe even treat them like they're a second-class Christian. And you just need to understand, like, 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 that is so far from God. We're literally acting like in heaven, in God's kingdom, that we're going to be walking around in heaven going, oh, man, oh, I wish I was more like them. Oh, mine's just a shack, and there's just a mansion. Oh, oh. Man, I wish I would have done that. Like, like, no, like, I want you to just think how far removed that whole thought is and how that even impacts your view of adoption. The fact that you would think that, that God would adopt us in, to be his sons, his daughters, and then after adopting us in, that he would show favoritism like that, he's not us. That's not in him. He doesn't do that. He is a just and holy God. So, so, like, just think how far removed that mentality is. And like I said, you may not verbalize it, but we act this way. We think this way. We compare this way. And it's so far from God. It's so far from the intent. It's so far from the freedom we see given to us, this forgiveness that, that he brings into our lives. And when you think this way, it's not humility if you're thinking this about yourself. It's actually arrogance. Because to think otherwise is to actually put your own judgment above God's and to belittle the redemption price paid for us by his son. In other words, for me to treat someone else or to think of myself this way, I'm actually at the core of this saying, what you did for me, Jesus, actually wasn't enough. What you did for that person, yeah, that was great, but that's actually not enough. A Christian who doubts full forgiveness denies the work of God and diminishes what a child of God is. The vastness and completeness of our forgiveness is seen in Paul's statement that it is according to what? It says, the riches of his grace. Verse 7, according to the riches of his grace. You know, God's grace, like his love, like his holiness, his power, and all his other attributes, it is absolutely limitless, his grace is. His forgiveness not only is given according to the riches of his grace, but it says what in, in the next section? It is lavished upon us. Okay, so it's not like a sprinkle, a pinch of grace. He is dumping grace. And he says, this forgiveness that I'm bringing, I am dumping it all over your life. Like, like, and if you question that, like Romans 5.20 literally says, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. In other words, your, your sin, your brokenness could not outpace God's grace. And some of you are like, that's amazing. Because <laughs> you're like, I, I've, been, I've been going down that road hard. <laughs> Guess what? Whatever you've done, whatever you've been doing, it cannot outpace God's grace that's available to you. We cannot sin beyond that. Because as wicked and extensive as our sins might be uh, or, or become, they will never approach the greatness of his grace. We therefore not only can enjoy future glory with God, but present fellowship with him as well. And then notice in verse 8, it says, he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. And, and what Paul is speaking here is he's talking about this, this wisdom, and this is concerning the things of God, the, the, the big stuff that, that, that literally he's given us this, this wisdom into which, which, which you couldn't 
bring for yourself. He brought that to you. And then it says insight, right? Now, insight, on the other hand, emphasizes this practical understanding, the spiritual insight in daily circumstances. So he gives us uh, the, the capability to understand his word and to know how to obey it. That's huge. For some of you that, that man, you, you just picked up a Bible and you're like, Genesis 1-1, here we go. What is this about, right? Like, like we, we, we don't even, like for some of us, we, we had no idea what to do. And, and then God brought this incredible wisdom into our lives. And then he started to either bring, he, he started to bring this incredible understanding, this insight into how to live this out, not in this distant future, but for right now. See, uh, in 1 Corinthians 2.12, it says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Later on in verse 16, he literally says, We have been given the mind of Christ. So like, like when you look at this, like when God takes away the sin in your life, he doesn't just empty you out, he fills you back up. That's so important. Like he lavishes wisdom and insight uh, on us according to what? The riches of his grace. Uh, there was this uh, car, uh, car wash uh, station or whatever they're all, they are, center, a car wash center uh, in San Diego. And it's, it's probably more lucrative down there because it's year-round. Uh, here for half the year, it's like, oh, clean. But down there, it's profitable business. And um, I remember there was one in particular that I always wanted to go to. And I would go there because, one, they did such a great job. Um, in other words, when I pulled up, uh, I would just park it. And then I would get out, and they would literally clean all the inside, all the outside. They would get all the stink out of the inside, whatever it may be. And then they would drive it through, and then they would clean the outside. But the best part was afterwards I would go in, and this place had all of these different scents that you could pick to put in your car. And, I mean, it was overwhelming. And I would be excited about it. I would go and I would look at the list. I go, what's what's new? And 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 they would they would say, oh, we've got this smell. And I'd be like, whoa. And then and then I would say, well, can I try it? Yes. And and I would like sniff different ones, like literally getting to pick how my car would smell. And then I would get excited. I would pick out the scent that I that was like the perfect scent. And then I would put it in my car. And then as I'm driving away, I'm thinking about the people that I can offer rides to now so that they can experience the smell of my car. I'm like, hey, I'll drive. Come and smell my car. And, and it's interesting, when we look at what Jesus has done on your behalf, he literally emptied out the stink in your life. There was so much in you. There was so much in your past. There is layer, depending on your past, there is layer after layer. There is depth after depth in your life, in your heart. You could have never removed it. But through Jesus Christ, the ultimate act of redemption, the ultimate ransom, the price that was paid on your behalf, he literally, through the gift of salvation, emptied out all of that. And then, and then after he emptied it out, he didn't just, uh, okay, there you go. Like, no. Then he's like, now watch what I do with you. Watch how I equip you. Watch. You're going to be more excited now to move forward. You're going to now, for the first time maybe in your life, want to bring other people into your life. Because a byproduct when we are in opposition to God is what? Isolation. 
And as a byproduct of him in my life, all of a sudden, not only do I like want to bring people into my life because I'm experiencing this freedom for the first time, but also now I'm looking at people differently. I'm looking at circumstances differently, opportunities differently. I'm noticing that when I want to react in a way maybe historically I have that was not good, I'm thinking twice about it. I'm now looking at a person going, I wonder why they're in my life. And, and, and now my job has meaning. All these things happen because he blesses us lavishly with wisdom and insight. So he never, if you're going to give your life to Jesus, he doesn't just clean you out. He fills you up so that you can move forward well. And I just want to challenge you, if you're brand new in your faith or you decide to go all in with him today, do not get caught in comparison and going, man, they know this or that. Where am I at? No, 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 no. You are denying what God says when you think that way. He loves you so much. And some of you, you've, you've experienced this. Some of you, it literally shocked you how you responded to somebody. Some, for some of you, someone else came and said, hey, I just want you to know what happened to you. Because you're different, clearly. And, and it's a special thing, right? And then, and then in verses 9 and 10, really, it, it closes with this. It says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. So all things, it's saying, will be brought together in Christ. History is going somewhere. And, and by God's grace, he has literally uh, made known to us the mystery of his will. He has revealed his eternal plan to us, and that plan centers around a redeemer. What is the plan? It is to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and on earth, everything. So there is a, a cosmic dimension to God's plan of salvation and, and, and we see, like, what the universe, like, like, like right now, what creation, what even ourselves, what we're doing, like Romans 8, uh, verses 19 through 23, describes it. It says this, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So, so everything right now is, is literally crying out, groaning for his return, for this to happen. Paradise that was lost in Adam is going to be restored in Jesus. In the fullness of time, Jesus will gather the entire universe in unity. And, and we read in, in Philippians 2, 10 and 11, it says, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Absolutely everything is going to do this. At the end. And this isn't like, oh, universal salvation. No, no, no. This is universal dominion under Jesus Christ. 
this is huge. This is incredible. So, so every single thing is literally going to acknowledge him. He is going to literally bring it all back. And we are in our hearts, in our deepest longings. We want that. And some of us, we don't even know how to articulate it. But we desire it. Creation, which as you can see is in a state of decline, is crying out for Savior, for Jesus to come back and for this moment to happen. And I want, I want to just take a minute here, and I want to maybe open a door uh, that maybe you've closed or has been closed for a long time, or maybe actually this door right now is open. So I'm just going to ask you right now uh, to just close your eyes. And I've actually never done this before, other than the first gathering, so technically I have, but as we think about our lives, I just want to, I want to, I want us to think about maybe something we haven't thought about in a long time. And maybe it's, it, it's on purpose. Maybe we have purposefully left certain things behind. Maybe we refuse to even acknowledge. For some of us, we've literally manipulated our minds to say that that never even happened. But right now in the stillness of this room, as your eyes are closed, I just want you to think about the things in your life that maybe you've done or said or thought and whether you believed in Jesus or not, you know they were wrong. And, and this is not a moment of shaming you or anything like that. I just want you to think about maybe some of those things. The situations, maybe the people, the guilt, maybe the shame, maybe the embarrassment. And maybe for some of you, it, it, man, it, it, it's way back there, and, and, and you're like, man, see, why, why are we doing this? Why do you even, why am I having to think about this? And for some of you, it's, it's last night. For some of you, it's this morning. And, and, and for whatever reason, uh, that's a part of who you are right now. But, but then all of a sudden, as your eyes are closed, and maybe you think about these things, and, and, and you know, regardless of your background, man, that was wrong. I can't believe that. I, I don't know why I did that, why I thought that, why that was a part of my life. But then all of a sudden, we're reminded again of Romans 6.23, right? For, for the wages of sin is death, but, but, then, but then, man, the free gift of God is eternal life. The free gift of God is eternal life. And then, and then we can also uh, remember, even in this moment, as we're processing these things, 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, in, uh, all unrighteousness, all of it, all of it, all of that stuff that right now maybe is, is still in your mind, in your heart, in that doorway. And what we learn about Jesus from our text is that he has ransomed that for you. He has removed those things as far as the east is from the west. Where your sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that you could experience freedom from this bondage. And some of you, as you're literally thinking about those things, I just started being overwhelmed as I was preparing uh, this sermon, thinking about those things in my own heart and in my life. And I, and I literally thought about some things that I was like, Steve, don't think about those. You don't want to think about that. And I actually saw, started saying, I need to think about this right now because I don't think I am living out this forgiveness how I should be. And maybe it's not even, like for some of you, you've prayed a prayer, but you've never received it actually. You've never received the forgiveness. You've always said, yeah, he loves me, but he, he just can't, he can't deal with that. He can't redeem that. He can't actually forgive that. No, 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 no. By the authority of scripture, he did it all. 
And because of that, you can have a relationship with Jesus and have the power of the Holy Spirit activated in your life, which will produce fruit to lead you forward. I want you to just open your eyes. Uh, Do you realize what he did changes everything in your life for the rest of time, for eternity? And, 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 and literally, as, as you think about some of these things and, and the depth and, 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 and just maybe even the evil, like, like Jesus still brought salvation. He did. He saved you from all of that. And my question is, like, once again, what, how am I going to live in light of that? How am I going to move forward in light of that? Will I be the woman who is just characterized as a sinner, who everybody knew her garbage, her junk? Will I actually just negate what people may think or say about me? Will I just like put that aside and just go, no, I'm going to freely just give everything to Jesus because of what he's done. I want to respond with great praise because I want to respond in the, the kind of love that reflects that I've been forgiven much, not forgiven little. And I think for a lot of us, for whatever reason, we've tried to now become professional Christians. We've tried to look the part. We've tried to dress the part. We've tried to pray the right way, think and, and, and say and do all the things that we think church people will be impressed by. And, and, and somehow, somewhere along that journey, we stopped losing the reality of that. And it was not coming out of our lives anymore. And when we went to praise God, it didn't reflect that this is true. And all of a sudden, something that actually isn't even real in your life as you praise God is coming out of you. And it's not coming from the place that it should be. The reality of the forgiveness has been brought into your life through Jesus Christ. And so I just want to encourage you right now to, to one, get back to that place of responding out of the, the forgiveness that has been literally lavishly dumped on your life. Lavishly. If you've never received that forgiveness, whether you claim to be a Jesus follower or not, I want to challenge you to receive forgiveness and to acknowledge that what he did was enough. He is not literally up there keeping a scorecard. Like, that's just not, that's us, that's not him. And so you can move forward in freedom. For those of you that have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to encourage you, make a decision to follow him. Make a decision to surrender your life to him and allow him to literally clean out what you could never clean out and to bring freedom in your life through the payment, through the ransom of Jesus Christ on the cross on your behalf. He loved, God loved you so much, he sent Jesus on your behalf because of all the things we even just thought about and he still went through with it because he loves you so much. And if God is saying today, get baptized publicly declare that belief in Jesus Christ, and you've never done that before. You've never literally publicly, and that's step one after salvation. It says, now go publicly declare that, and, and you've never done that. I want to challenge you, go get baptized. Go get baptized. And maybe you did that a long time ago, and you didn't remember it, or, or you weren't even a Jesus follower, and you just did it because everyone else was doing it. Stamp that in your mind today. Go get baptized. Whatever he's calling you to do, though, this morning, let's just respond to him. Let me pray.